Welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast. This is episode Dirty 30. Don, did you realize it was episode 30 already? I did. I did. It's uh, amazing that we've we've gotten that far. And, uh, you know, it seems like we just started this up a couple months ago. But, um, you know, it's been fun. Fun ride. Our podcast is a is a podcast month old now, being 30 days. But not, not all podcast months are 30 days. Um, so uh, right off the bat, I want to say that if this is your first time listening, especially our friends at the American Coaster Enthusiast, uh, we'd love to have you as a listener. Hopefully we can earn your time over uh, over the next hour or so. Um, so if you want to look for us on YouTube, uh, search for the Attractions Group Podcast. We do a video version. Um, we, we'd love to have you on there. Uh, but we also are for audio only on all of your favorite podcast apps, the Apple Music and Spotify and so on. But we're not here to talk about us. We're here to talk about the world's largest and oldest roller coaster enthusiast group. So it was founded in 1978 and it's celebrating its 45th anniversary in 2023. That's awesome. The American Coaster Enthusiasts, or ACE as they like to be called, uh, it's a nonprofit 501c3 and is the lo- largest or, uh, enthusiast organization in the world. That's a big place, right? <laughs> so it has over 6,500 members from, I mean, it's not just America, it's all around the world now. So I want to welcome the president of the American Coaster Enthusiast, Elizabeth Ringus, to the show. Elizabeth, how are you doing? I'm great. It's so good to be here. Thanks for inviting me to I'm join you. to have you. Well, Elizabeth, tell us how the American Coaster Enthusiast came to be. You know, Ryan mentioned 45 years, that's a long time, but how did this club get its start? What a fun start we had to. It all started with the movie Roller Coaster that was being filmed at King's Dominion. Um, actually, the summer before we started, three gentlemen, um, Roy Brashears, Ray Uberoth, and Richard Munch, met during a marathon that was promoting the release of the movie Roller Coaster, started talking during the marathon, and thought, it might be a fun idea to have a club that people love roller coasters could all come together. The next summer, they hosted the very first coaster con. And not only is it my honor that I live down the road from King's Dominion, but my other home park is Bush Gardens, Waynesburg, where the very first coaster con was held. And the most fun part of that first coaster con is that's where ERT was created. So extra ride time came about the very first coaster con for ACE. Yeah, I like that phrase, extra ride time, you know, because a lot of times everybody refers to it as like that exclusive ride time or whatever. But you're right. It is extra. It's extra. Most of the time it's exclusive, but it's extra. And so that way it can happen any point in the day, no matter how the event is structured. It might even be in the middle of the day and just pull a coaster out of operation and have it in the middle of the day. Whatever works for a park, we get creative. That's awesome. Yeah, there are a lot of benefits to uh being a member of the American Coaster Enthusiasts. Um, let's talk about you. Um, so how did you get involved? Well, well first of all, two-part question. Where did your passion for roller coasters come from and how did you get involved with ACE? <laughs> so when I was a kid, I thought I was weird, um, which now we all know I'm weird. <laughs> but at that time, I just couldn't figure it out. I would go to Carowinds, so one of King's Dominion's home parks, once a year. My parents aren't big fans of amusement parks, so it was the once a year birthday trip to Carowinds for me. And I would usually take a couple of friends with me. Well, at the end of the night, 
I'm still going around and around and around and I'm getting every ride soaked in that I can at the end of the night. And my friends are sitting on the bench with my parents. <laughs> and I thought, hmm, I guess I'm kind of odd. Oh, well, I'm just going to keep riding till they throw me out of the park. But um, I met my husband in college and we started visiting parks and um, we went to Busch Gardens, Waynesboro together. And but then we got relocated, corporate relocation um, after I graduated college. And we didn't know anybody in the city, literally, um, except our realtor. And we started going to Kings Island and um, we've been relocated to Cincinnati um, and we were having a ball. We would go up there after work. Um, every Saturday morning we were at the park. We were just having so much fun. It was such a light in our life of trying to build some friends, figure out who we were as adults, um, settle into our careers. And Kings Island was just really a place we were always happy. And um, the funny part of it is, though, we started noticing the same people walking around the park all the time. I thought, this is odd, but Granted, we were always there walking around the park, so we were one of them, but it never occurred to us we would see the same people in a amusement park all the time. Um, one morning I was getting ready for work. It was, um, I think it was the spring of 99, maybe, um, and I was getting ready for work and I saw American Coaster Enthusiast on the news. It was the Beast's 25th anniversary and um, Ace had come out to ride the Beast to celebrate the anniversary. And I thought, well, I want to be riding the beast at 8.30 in the morning and not going to work. How do I get to be one of them? So it took me a little bit of time. It was before Google and the days of the easy internet to find Ace. Um, and I um, finally found Ace, joined for our first wedding anniversary as a gift. And we went to our very first event, um, spring conference in 2000 at um, Silver Dollar City. And we have been hooked ever since. Um, so that's been... Well, we joined 99, 2000. It's been 23 years at least that we've been members of ACE now and have raised our kids through it and relocated. And ACE has really been the anchor in our life. And amusement parks truly have been too, that through all the trials and tribulations of life, amusement parks have always been there as a fun anchor to get us out and having fun. Yeah, I was at that 1999 uh, 25th anniversary event uh, about the beast, you know, being an ace member, and it was a lot of fun. And and you're right. I mean, it's a nice, um, you know, thing to be involved with and to have other like-minded people uh, that you can, you know, associate with, and and they get you. Um, so that's always a great thing. But you're the president. So how long is in a club like Ace? How long is that term? Talk about the different other, you know, officer positions that you have, the volunteer positions, um, you know those kind of things, those opportunities that are there if you are part of the American Coaster Enthusiast. Yeah, so my term is two years. Um, I'll be up for re-election in the fall of, we'll run our election in the summer of 24, and then offices will change in the fall. Um, so I can hold office for a total of four years um, with one re-election, and then it's up to someone else. Um, but our board is made up of 12 people total. Um, four of those are elected positions. Our president, vice president, treasurer, and secretary all elected. And then we have eight directors who manage the operating parts of ACE. They're responsible for representing our membership on the board, um, our operations, our communications, all those different aspects of ACE. Each have a director to ensure they're taken care of and being pushed forward and 
thinking ahead and planning for what we might want down the road and ensuring our infrastructure is there to support that. But our club is 100% volunteer. So outside of those 12 volunteers, we have hundreds of volunteers that volunteer on the day of an event for registration, running games, um, collecting lanyards at the end of the night. But it's all volunteers day to day that support our website, um, that update our website, that send out our newsletter, send emails to our members. And then we have our wonderful regional reps. Those are the heart and soul of ACE. They're our local connection. Um, each region, there's mm -hmm. 22 of them across the country, has a regional rep that is that local piece to work with the parks and make sure they have exactly what they need and the members locally have exactly what they need. And then we're just here to support them. Now, when you're running for president, do you try to get like competitive and dig up dirt on the opponent and say, well, I've got more credits than they do and they've not been to Europe and those kind of things to, to, try, to, to try to sell yourself that way? We have definitely had some heated elections um, that people really look at, what have you done? Where's your heart? And I think that's where all of our volunteers come from, particularly those who serve on our board, is it's all about heart. Yes, we look at skills, but you've got your first and foremost has been got to be the members of ACE and making sure they're taken care of. All right. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, that sounds very interesting. Um, so, Elizabeth, um, you mentioned that ACE uh, a couple times now has uh, have some events around the country. There's there's CoasterCon. Um, you know, you mentioned the extra ride time, which is a phraseology that's new to me, actually. Um, so uh, nationwide, how many events do you would you say that the members have access to? Um, and uh, can you just kind of go over some of the big ones, like the the heavy hitters each year? Oh. Our events are almost limitless. So last year in 2022, we hosted 72 in-person events across the country and Europe. In addition to that, we have informal events where members can say, hey, I'm going to be at King's Dominion on February 11th. Let's all meet up and take a ride on Twisted Timbers together and maybe catch dinner afterwards. Just a chance to connect with members. No registration very easy going and we also have digital events which aren't counted in those either so we bring together different groups in digital events or have speakers next month we have a children's author that is coming on to read her new book about roller coasters so we gear it towards every age group every <laughs> niche that pardon my quacking phone um, <laughs> It's a busy house in my house. I can't always hear my phone, so I have a quack. <laughs> um, so we have events for everybody, whether it is families that want to come together and experience roller coasters together. If it's teens and tweens that want to learn more about the industry from engineers, we have events for them. Um, we had a hot cocoa mixer in December just to have fun and come together and talk about coasters. And that's what it is a lot of times. It's what I call Q-line conversation just have fun talk about roller coasters find that niche group that gives you that place to be you that's what ace is it's a place to just be who you are it doesn't matter where you come from your gender your economic abilities it's just about having fun and loving roller coasters and so we really try to facilitate places for that to happen even if sometimes visiting a park is too expensive um, we want them to be able to come together in a 
Zoom meeting and just have fun. But we also have a Discord server so that people can have Q-Line conversation any day, any time of day. <laughs> but um, so we do, uh, most of those events are regional, but our regional reps put them together and pull together whoever wants to come. It doesn't matter what region you live in. In ACE, we're all one. So you can go to an event in Texas. You can go to an event that's put together by the Pacific Southwest in California. You can come to the Mid-Atlantic. It doesn't matter where you live. There's regional events everywhere. And then we have national events, which we usually target three a year. Um, COVID and the pandemic has altered that a bit. They've been, we haven't hit three um, since the pandemic, but we're hoping that'll be back soon. We have CoasterCon, which is your week-long immersion in roller coasters. <laughs> it is truly all about roller coasters for a week. I am never as tired as I am as when I get back from CoasterCon because I have literally gone 18, 20 hours a day. I'll never forget my very first CoasterCon. I had my kids with me, and I think my youngest was probably seven or eight at the time. <laughs> we had gotten up and been at the park at 6.30 or 7 a.m. And at 2.30 a.m., we were walking out of the park. And I thought, some people would call me a bad parent, but I think I'm the best. You're a fun parent. <laughs> we just spent all these hours in an amusement park, and my kids were so hyped up on sugar, and they were the happiest I've ever seen them at 2.30 a.m. We had just had so much fun and the memories we made, and that's it. CoasterCon has become our family's um, just event of the summer we really look forward to because it's just indescribable. The experiences you have, the time you're with everybody, um, you get to see those same people day after day for a week and you really build new friendships. Um, but we also do one or two weekend events. Now, when I say weekend, we pack it in. <laughs> you're not going to one part for a weekend. You might hit three, five. I think there was once there was six. I mean, we pack it in a weekend. And so these are really immersive weekends. They typically start on Friday, run through Sunday. Um, and they are our spring conference and our preservation conference. And preservation conference really expands our mission. Um, it is about bringing recognition to parks in an area that have really done an exceptional job of ensuring their coasters keep running and that the coaster is something special. And so we really try to have it somewhere that we can really celebrate the park. This year we're in New York City. And so we're getting to celebrate Ride Playland. And I cannot wait. Not only are we at Ride Playland, but we're at Coney Island. I feel like we are really going to the mecca of preservation because it's where it all started. Yeah, a lot of fun there with these different events. Um, you know, you talked about, you know, the memories that, uh, you know, come from the, the friendships that you develop seeing, you know, um, friends that you met before. It's like a big family reunion sometimes when, you know, you have people that attend these events on an annual basis. But talk about what goes into planning such an event. You just can't say we're doing it and everybody show up. There's a lot of behind the scenes uh, things that have to happen for you to, to have these events at the different parks. Oh, it is. The planning is incredible what goes into it, because not only does it take lead time, to make sure that they're organized well. But we don't want to parks to feel strained. We want to ensure that the parks are in a great place with their staffing and their abilities. Or if they have a new coaster coming, we want to make sure it fits in with their marketing plan well of when they want to launch it. But you're talking some of these events, we're planning them. CoasterCon typically is planned two years out. And we start working with the parks to get those 
tiny details in place. And that's what I feel like really makes a difference is that we make sure all the tiny details are planned ahead of time. So there's no stress on anyone leading into it that we can truly just enjoy being there and be focused. I actually had a meeting today with our events director talking about CoasterCon this year, um, which is at Dollywood and Carowinds. And those final details are starting to come together because registration is gonna open in March. So we're in the final countdown. Now, do you take everybody that wants to come to an event or do you ever cap it? We never cap an event. Um, It is always open to anyone who wants to be there. And so CoasterCon, anyone and everyone that wants to come, even guests are welcomed. They do have to come as a guest of an ACE member. They can't come on their own. But anyone is welcome to come and experience CoasterCon or any of our events. Well, that's really cool. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, like a lot of things about camaraderie and things of that sort with uh, within the membership. And, and and I do agree that that's probably the best part of being uh, you know, a member of ACE or any other organization where people are really enthusiastic about the same thing. Uh, but, you know, 45 years in, there have been a lot of people that have really made their impact on both ACE and the industry. Can you can, give me like a Mount Rushmore? Give me four people that you think are some of some of you, not that your personal favorites, let's clear that up, but pick four that you want to talk about. Wow. There has been so many incredible people. Um, I'll have to say the first one that comes to my mind is Marty Maltz. We actually just recognized him during um, No Coaster in Chicago in January as an honorary member of ACE. Marty has been such a anchor through the years, um, not only professionally offering his professional skills to ACE as a lawyer, but just a such a light and an enthusiastic member that has always been there. We can always count on his wonderful Hawaiian shirt and a great laugh ahead. Um, He has just been incredible. Um, What's been fun for me coming in as president is how involved Richard Munch has continued to be. As one of the founders, I feel honored that he's still very involved. And is there a phone call away if I need something? particularly as we um, begin our journey on making a documentary about the history of ACE. Um, Richard has been wonderful. Um, And on top of that, lately, I've been working a lot with Roy Bashir as one of our other founders. Um, Sadly, our third founder has passed away, but I've been scanning all of Roy's pictures and that has just been so much fun for me to see these moments in the 70s coming to life as I digitize his slides. I never digitized a slide until I jumped into this project. So I'm also learning new skills. Um, but seeing that tiny picture just come up on the screen and that resolution is incredible that comes out of a slide. But um, it's just been not really great to see how involved those true anchors have been. Um, But for me personally, I'll say that one of the people that really stands out to me is Carol Sanderson. Carol was president of ACE when I joined. So she was my first impression of ACE and getting to know her Um, and seeing her as a female president stood out too. Carol's been so vocal for preservation and ensuring that that history is documented. Um, I really appreciate the impact she had on me. Yeah, I've had an opportunity to get to know each of those names that you mentioned and you know, they, they put so much into the club and it's one of the reasons why it is what it is today, just because of their efforts. Um, but let's talk about if you were a member, uh, you're joining ACE, what are some of the discounts benefits that uh, you're going to receive outside of being able to attend some of these fabulous events? 
Yes, our discounts have really expanded lately, actually. Um, we have a lot of standing discounts at various parks across the country um, that are listed so that you're look where you're going, check it out. They're all sorted by state. But one of my favorites that we just got was AAA. So what a great discount for an enthusiast that's traveling all the time. We have a AAA discount and we also have Red Roof Inn, Motel 6. So it's not just about parks. It's about that whole experience of travel, trying to make it cheaper and easier on everybody. Awesome. That's a good deal with the, the hotel and AAA. I mean, you never know when you're going to need AAA traveling. I can, right? I can tell you that when I was going to know coaster. <laughs> well, oh, no. we'll get into that story another day, of course. <laughs> All right. Um, well, so Ace, if I recall correctly, Ace has uh, two publications, print publications, right? Can you talk about them? So, I can. So we only have one print publication now. Okay. Um, Ace News used to be published um, as a print publication, but we have since taken it online and it's published weekly um, so that it's more up to date and we don't have to wait for that print turnaround time. Mm -hmm. We can really get news out faster. And we have Roller Coaster Magazine, which is our premier print item. Um, it's a quarterly magazine that is exclusive to Ace members and has incredible members only photography featured. The articles are in depth and wonderful, but it's just, it, it literally reading it makes you dream of going places. And it's like reading a travel magazine to me sometimes, but the photography is just incredible and makes me really appreciate the talent of our members. That's awesome. As long as I've known about Ace and that dates back to 1981, uh, the club has always been a strong voice uh, for roller coaster and amusement park preservation. Uh, talk about some of those efforts that you have going on maybe right now. So we are a 501c3 and that one of those pieces that makes us that nonprofit is that we are a charity and preservation is our big focus of that. We ensure that throughout the year we're always fundraising to make sure there's funds there to support any park that may need help. And that's truly how it works, that if a park says we need help, if it's um, we are we just donated some money in the winter for the Skyliner at Lake Mont Park um, that needs to be painted this winter to ensure that it keeps operating. And that's what we really look at. What do we need to do to keep it operating? So we put some money towards painting the Skyliner this winter. Lead the Dips has been one that we put a lot of focus on to ensure it kept um, operating. And that's where those funds go, is that when a park reaches out and says, um, a sad one is that we used to commonly fundraise for wheels for the blue streak at Conneaut Lake. Um, so we were exceptionally sad to see that lost. And that was one of our big preservation efforts. But um, Enchanted Forest in Oregon has been a recent um, benefactor of our funds, um, Holiday World. We really focus on anyone who needs help. If they reach out, we're going to be there for them. That's really cool. Um, so, you know, going around to different parks, I've seen uh, different plaques presented by Ace about roller coaster landmarks and, you know, significant rides. Can you talk about what those mean? So we have two designations that a roller coaster can receive. Those plaques that you see in the park are landmark coasters. And there are 44 of those in the United States, not the United States, in the world. Um, we do have overseas ones. And those are coasters 
that we recognize as having a significant impact on the advancement of roller coasters. It's really what they are. They ha they were a turning point in the progression of the development of roller coasters. But it's also not just that. It's about people realizing we want them when they're walking into that queue line to know that coaster is special. It's not just a roller coaster that they're riding. It's a landmark roller coaster. And so that's part of our preservation efforts for the park and the guests to know that this park has done something special. They've worked really hard in maintaining a roller coaster or they still have a very special roller coaster that we want you to know it's special when you go and ride it. We want you to really remember it. And we, you know, Loch Ness Monster, it was the host of the very first Coaster Con, but it's a really special roller coaster. The Beast, there's so many great ones. And we love that we now have a partnership with Log Ride that they acknowledge the landmark coaster so that you have even another spot to know that if you went out and rode this coaster, um, you can see that you rode one of the ACE landmark coasters when you log your ride on log ride. Yeah, that's really cool. It's funny because uh, you mentioned that you're not just riding a ride, you're riding a piece of history. Uh, when we had Tom Rebbe from Philadelphia Toboggan Coasters on last week, one of the questions I asked him was, you know, do, do, do your employees now understand the like hollowed halls that they're in as far as like the roller coaster. And he was like, I wish I could communicate that, that John Allen and, you know, all those people were involved. So, uh, yeah, you, I, I completely agree. There are certain coasters that uh, not only affected a park, but affected the industry and maybe even the local economy. Look at blue streak at Cedar point, for example, mm -hmm. what would Sandusky be without Cedar point and blue and, and Cedar point wouldn't be what it is without blue streak, you know, sorry, rant over. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be about the thirsty but pony without without Cedar Point, probably. Right. <laughs> but that's the truth. They made such an impact, they, and we want people to stop and notice that. And that's really why we present those plaques and put them in the park. The other piece that we recognize are classic coasters, and those are coasters that are still operating in the true sense of how a roller coaster was designed. Now that list is getting shorter and shorter, sadly. But um, those are another one to really, truly recognize that you're writing something that generations have written and your grandparents might have written. That's what I love is going back and riding a coaster that I rode as a child. And now my kids get to ride it with me and I get to relive and share that memory with Absolutely. them. Yeah, Elizabeth, when uh, you see, you know, ACE members often get invited to media day events, you've got these different um you know, conferences and that, that you do. But, you know, there are also those times where, you know, you see an event posted or something and, and someone's, you know, I'm going to join the club just so I can go do this event. And, you know, with all the different things you have going on and all the different ways that, uh, you know, you can help spread the word about roller coasters, parks and things like that. What would you say to the person whose mindset was that I'm just going to join so I can go to this particular park sponsored event? You know, I say try it. You don't know until you get there because it's such a hard concept. I grew up in a, I think a lot of us grew up in a generation that hobbies weren't first and foremost. I mean, I grew up on a working farm. The thought of having the money or the time to go out and just have fun riding roller coasters wasn't really a culture I grew up in. So 
for some people, we just need to see it to understand it. I didn't get it until I went to an ACE event and I started making friends. And so I say, just try it. Join and go to that event, see if it's for you and try it out because you don't know until you put your feet on the ground. I mean, I look at, I had no idea. Well, I joined ACE because I wanted to go on the beast walk back <laughs> each morning. Um, that was really my sole reason for joining once I saw the list of benefits. I never thought it actually never occurred to me that I would serve as a volunteer. I never thought I would have friends who were probably some of the most important in my life. And I really never thought I'd be president, <laughs> but I joined because I wanted the beast walk back and I met friends on that beast walk back that I'm still friends with today that we literally just met standing there at the plaque at Kings Island waiting for the walk back. And they lived in Chicago. They would come down to Cincinnati occasionally to come to the park. We would always meet them up there. And we literally met them standing there waiting for the walk back. And they're still our friends today, 22 years later. Yeah. The beast walk back. I get asked about that, you know, from time to time. That was one of my, <laughs> you know, early members, our memories of being an ACE member was being able to participate in that. You're right. A lot of people that you meet, you know, become those lifelong friends and, um, you know, but for me, when I joined ACE in 1981, the, the, the main draw for me was that I wasn't the only one that was, you know, wanting to go ride roller coasters all the time. And I wanted to meet yeah. like-minded people and, uh, you know, just be able to, to share in those conversations and that with people that understood me, what I was all about doing these things. Exactly. It's that, that hobby culture that it's really difficult to understand having that like-minded group. We don't, that group's hard to find reality as adults. And so it's really nice to be able to come together and have that um, of somebody who understands the healthiness of getting out, having fun and truly giving and appreciating to, towards something as simple as going out and riding a roller coaster. Awesome. Elizabeth, a, a lot of times when a new leader comes into an organization, whether it's a workplace or, uh, you know, volunteer organization like ACE or, or whatever, um, they come in, you know, with certain goals and objectives in their mind, uh, especially with like the direction that they, uh, they want to take the organization. What were some of your goals coming into the presidency of ACE? What have you accomplished? And what, what would you say that you still have left to do before your tenure is ultimately over? Uh, that's a great question. So I came in, I had served as communications director before, so I had some ideas of things I had observed during that time. I started some initiatives um, that just started getting off the ground. The pandemic definitely held me back on what I was able to launch during my four years, but it definitely took us in a much more digital route than I ever expected. Um, but I came into this promising the membership that I was gonna focus on process and people. I wanted to ensure that our infrastructure was here to take us through another 45, 90, 200 years, however long ACE will be around after I step out. But I want to make sure that I had all of our processes clean, that everything was documented, that we were using the best systems possible to make it easiest on our volunteers and the people of ACE. They're what makes ACE. And I want to make sure our members were getting the best experience that they could. Um, and actually just two days ago, um, the executive committee had a strategic, plan, strategic planning session to ensure that we were all on the same page in what we wanted to bring in our two years of service. And we came up with the ultimate goal that our number one goal 
is to ensure that our members are getting the best experience that they can get. And so we looked at all the tiny details of what each segment of ACE can do and what can we think ahead to? What do we need to do to build infrastructure for new projects five years down the road? Um, and what do we need to think ahead on of what ACE is gonna need to be? Because ACE has really changed through the years. You look at, we started as an organization that mailed a flyer to get to the first coaster con and now everything is online and digital and we're on every social media platform we just launched our TikTok platform during iapa in november and it's incredible the integration but it's something we need to continue to focus on and that's what um, my goal is to ensure that we are using the best processes to produce the best member experience that i can thanks for the tips in case i ever want to run <laughs> <laughs> I was taking notes as you were talking. Um, you know, Elizabeth, there used to be a rivalry between the different coaster clubs that kind of, you know, launched after, you know, Ace got off the ground in 1978. And, um, you know, but that's a lot, that's really changed over the past, you know, 10, 12 years. And it seems mm -hmm. like everybody's, uh, you know, more on the same page now trying to, uh, you know, help each other, a lot of camaraderie between the different clubs. Uh, what do you attribute that to? What changed to make that happen? I think it was a progression that we all started seeing that we all really did have the same mission that we wanted to just have fun. That's what this is about is having fun. And it's about, yes, we love the exclusive experiences. That's what it's about to be in the club, right? You have exclusive experiences of who you meet, what you get to do, what tours, but there's a place for each club because we, it all, I feel like started sorting out that everybody, Although we all wanted to have fun, each club just had its own niche and there was a space for everybody. We could all just go out and have fun together, but everybody had something else they were gonna focus on too. ACE's mission is preservation. When you look at our members, they come to us because we have a greater um, focus on preservation and that historical aspect. That's something our members tell us are, is really important to them. Other coaster clubs have other niches that are important to them. Yeah, well, that's really cool. Um... So, uh, you know, j just as like, you know, one final question to kind of sum things up, if, if you were going to communicate, so let's say to the industry itself, let's make it a little bit more interesting. Um, what was one, what's one thing that you wish that the industry knew about ACE that you don't think that they do know? I think they know, but don't realize that we will show up for anything. If you say you need help, we will show up. You, no questions asked. We're going to be there and say, what do you need? We're going to make it happen. You know, Elizabeth, I've been in that situation where we've needed to have uh, trains filled for photo shoots and that. And, you know, they're around the office are like, oh, we can't get that done by, you know, this date. You know, we, we have to go out and try to find people. I'm like, just give me 10 hours. I'll fill the train and then some. You know, and it's, yes. it's always been uh, great to see how Ace has always been ready to to jump in and help any park in need. That's so true. A park could call me at eight o'clock at night and tell me at three a.m. tomorrow I need thirty people, and I might not be able to get thirty people, but I will have a good solid group of people there by three a.m. And no apology needed that it's three a.m. We understand that's the way it works, and that's what's fun about our members is that they understand that they know that it's hard work that the teams at the parks are doing, that the manufacturers are working hard. And we want to make that easier by we're ready to show up. 
But I think the one thing a lot of people don't know about ACE that really sets us apart is that we have a code of conduct and that ensures that we have a membership that is there about passion that really truly wants to make it a positive experience for everybody and wants to make sure that we're advancing the mission of the park and making sure that their marketing plan is where they need it to be and that everything we've done is square with what the park needs. All right. Well, Elizabeth, before we let you go, there's always a segment that Ryan and I like to do. And if we don't have a guest, uh, we pick different topics around the industry. We call it the pick six. Uh, so what we'd like to do with you, we're going to alternate asking the questions, uh, six questions between Ryan and I, um, just asking you something like your favorites around the industry. And we're going to start with Ryan. He'll ask the first question. Okay. So uh, again, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a particular question. And I guess you probably don't get some of these questions a lot because you're typically affiliated with roller coasters, but number one question is, uh, what's your favorite flat ride? Oh, I, my flat rides are anything that flips me upside down. So a lot of my favorite flat rides are starting to leave the park, but I'm really big on the, um, Tomb Raider type, top spin. um, ride. Those were uh, top spins are always my favorite. If I see a top spin, everybody watch out. I am heading straight yeah. there. <laughs> All right. Favorite dark ride. Hmm. Goodness. Oh, there's so many great ones. How do I narrow it down? Um, I have to say it's not a classic in the sense of dark rides, but I love Toy Story Mania. <laughs> we didn't say it had to be a classic. That's a <laughs> great choice. That, that is a great choice. It makes me laugh. I love Haunted Mansions and Tower mm. of Terror has my heart, but the laughs that I have on Toy Story Mania just really takes the cake on my favorite. But Tower of Terror is probably my second favorite. Okay. I am a Disney yeah, junkie. I mean, the thing I like way. about Toy Story Mania, <laughs> yeah, but uh, the thing I like about Toy Story Mania is that there's so many shoot 'em up games, and like the shooting is part of the experience. But with that particular game or that particular shooting experience, it legitimately is fun to play. You know, you couldn't get away with it with like a Sally Dark ride because, you know, shooting stuff makes stuff happen and that's what matters. But that one's fun. You know, it's really fun. Okay. Um, moving on. What's your favorite seasonal park event? Probably not. Okay. I'm a Disney junkie. I have to say Food and Wine Festival at um, Bush Gardens, Wingsburg. And then second food and wine festival at Epcot. <laughs> I really enjoy food festivals. I'm a foodie at heart too. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've been to food and wine. I haven't been to the one at uh, Bush Gardens, but I've been to the one at Epcot twice. It's great. I, I liked all the booths and stuff. It Wonder like brings the, the world showcase to life. I mean, not that it's not alive, but it like, it, right? it adds like a, count, a town square kind of feel to it almost or a carnival feel. It's, it's really cool. It's packed with people and there's so much energy and so many fun foods. I mean, I just love experimenting through the foods. And I was at Mardi Gras at Bush Gardens Wingsbury last weekend because I had to experience the food there. So you have a food festival. Yeah, I got the, I um, the all day dining for Bush Gardens Williamsburg when I went there. And that was that was the best part. 
just being able to try all the food and stuff. I just got it because it was like, yeah. it just made financial sense when I was buying my tickets because mm -hmm. it was like they had some sort of deal, but I would not go back without it. That was so cool. And it was really an awesome experience. The next question will stay in the, the, the food theme here. And I do think it gets a little bit harder now um, with the way so many parks have really elevated uh, the dining experience, but what's your favorite food item? Mm. Oh my goodness. How do I pick? Oh, okay. Yeah. It used to be easy. Yeah, it used to be easy. You had, you had hot dogs, yeah. pizza and hamburgers and that was it. Now it's much tougher. <laughs> yeah. I'm biased. Y'all are going to laugh. The hummus at King's Dominion. Where's the hummus? is at really? grain and grill the food is incredible i mean i go in there and get shrimp quinoa and hummus and every time i sit there and think i cannot believe i'm eating this in a museum park but that hummus is so good i would package yeah it it's, and take there's it some things that don you need to turn your your, your brain off for a second because we're going to talk about cedar fair for a second but uh it's so weird that um first of all with with any theme park except for like the disney's of the world like you, you tolerated the food, you tolerated paying that price and tolerated getting it down and then mm -hmm. tolerated the result of the food an hour later. Nowadays, it's so good. And it's like, you know, at, um, at the brew house at Kings Island, they got the pub burger. It's kind of the signature food there. And me and my girlfriend sit around and like, it's about to come up here in like a couple of weeks when we're like, God, I, what I wouldn't give for a pub burger right now. Um, but at King's Dominion specifically, this is simple, but it's like crazy. Is that Mexican place on the left side when you enter the park? We ate there three yes. times because it was just so good. Yeah. It is. It's incredible. The food is so good that my husband and I will actually do date night and we'll go up to King's Dominion, catch a ride or two, eat dinner and come home. It's perfect. The food I used to do exactly what you said. I would dread eating there or I would do all I could to skip eating there. I would time my visit yeah. so I didn't have to eat at the park. I remember packing meals two or three meals for a day in the park in our car for all the kids and everything. I was so tired by the time I got to the park that I couldn't make it through the day at the park because I packed up all this food for us to eat out of our car because it just wasn't food that my kids wanted to eat. I had one child that was a vegetarian for a while. We just couldn't make it work in the park with what everybody wanted to eat. And now it's incredible. They can't wait to eat in the park. It's, oh, it's been such a healthy change. It's healthy for me that I'm not packing all this insane food in the car, but also we eat well and we feel good during the day because we uh, ate a good meal. Did you ever think, you know, when you were visiting, you know, King's Dominion, maybe, you know, 10, eight, five years ago that you'd be able to go there and get shrimp? Never in a million years. I would have bet against it. There was no way I would ever eat shrimp in an amusement park. Yeah. But it looks, I mean, it's, everybody has told me it's very, very mm. good. Uh, and just looking at the pictures, you know, it almost, you know, I'm like, I got to plan a visit there and try that. You do. You have to just come eat as if the roller coasters aren't great enough. The food yeah. is incredible. Uh, I think that, um, you know, when we're talking about home parks, if you talk about, I mean, you mentioned like the, the hummus. So that's like part of a food item. If I had to pick one from Kings Island, that's the best. The beer, the beer cheese there is better than any beer cheese I've ever had outside of the park. I don't know if it comes out of a bag or if it's made in the park, but wherever they're getting it from, it's right. It's so good. And they don't even always have it. It's oftentimes the beer cheese is associated with like carnival and stuff like that. Like do you do the German pretzels and so on. Mm -hmm. um, this year they had it all year because it was one of the 50th anniversary items, which were excellent. But um, the, the beer cheese, I, I've never had beer cheese that good. And I yet to have beer cheese that's that good. 
Okay. So let's move on to the next question. So uh, you've never been asked this before, but two-parter, favorite coaster, wood and steel. <laughs> well, you're right. I have just definitely never answered that before. So this is completely not biased because Don is on. But my absolute favorite wooden coaster and number one coaster ever is the Beast at Likely story. Kings Island. It's really <laughs> likely story. What? Right. <laughs> I know, but it's the one that really stood out and made me realize. I was like, oh, all coasters aren't the same. And I think that's one reason. I every time I ride it, I think, is it still my favorite? Yep, yep. Still have you my been favorite. on it since the renovation? And with the retracting, I have. Yes, I got to visit in October and see Don in person and enjoy it. And wow, it still blew me away. And it's like, it's great during the day, but at night. Oh, it's just so different, just right? Like I mean, that. you just don't see anything, you know, of that magnitude, that long, you know, out there for a wooden coaster right. anywhere else. Or in those kind of elements where it's all, you know, 35 acres in the in the woods and that. You just don't see that. And you know, sure, these days it's not the tallest, it's not the fastest, it doesn't do all the, you know, the different inversions and things, but it's just withstood the test of time, and it's just a great yeah. ride. It is, and the emotion I feel, like, when it's coming around and hitting the helix going into the tunnel, it's just nothing like an experience on the backside coming back. Oh, I mean, I just, oh, I could just ride it all the time, and I miss, that's the one thing I really, I love living in Cincinnati, and we really miss being there, but the beast that was hard to move yeah. away from. I, the thing I so, like about the beast personally yeah. is, you know, you mentioned, you know, there's rides with great airtime and, you know, what Don mentioned inversions and stuff like that. But the beast's nighttime out of control feeling in the woods is the the best sensation that a, a roller coaster can offer, in my opinion. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons, I mean, amongst, you know, the stuff that's been documented, but the, that's one of the reasons why Son of Beast wasn't really beloved was because it was this big, wooden, violent, fast coaster, but it was in a field. You know, you didn't feel like you were lost. When you ride the Beast, you feel like you're lost. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, steel Coaster. Steel Coaster is Millennium Force, is okay. your point. And again, it's another one of those I always question myself, is that really still my favorite coaster? And so go back and ride it. I'm like, yep, still my favorite. It's it's a tight line with Iron Rattler at Fiesta, Texas. Um, I really love Iron Rattler, but Millennium Force, there's something about it. And I think, again, it's the memories. Um, it's the emotion with Millennium Force. I'd never seen a coaster like that when I went to Cedar mm -hmm. Point the first time. And that still sticks with me. I still feel that emotion when I go to ride it every time. It had just such a impact on me um, in its first that's year. Incredible. Yeah, that's an amazing ride. One of my favorites. All right, we got one more question for you. Number six, outside of your home park, what is your favorite park? Oh, Kings Island. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. yes, of course. <laughs> Love Kings Island. I would show up there in a heartbeat any day somebody said I could go there. Why do you love All Kings right. Island yeah. besides the digital marketing person and the guy that hangs out there a hundred times a year? <laughs> besides those two, why do you love the I park? have great friends. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's where my husband and I really built our marriage. Um, it was, you know, we had been married only a few months when we moved to Cincinnati. And that was what we did as a young married couple was go up to the park. It really holds a lot of special memories for us in building the foundation of our marriage and, Gosh, it's got some darn good yeah, coasters too. There, doesn't it? <laughs> and it's yeah. uh, the, and the, the thing I like bad. about Kings Island too, especially being a local. And I guess you can't really relate to this anymore, but maybe from the Kings Dominion front is, it seems like they do a really good job of always putting things in front of you to be excited about. 
whether it's this show's opening in two weeks, uh, there's carnival at this time and so on. So it's, it's not like they open the gates and once things are open, that's it. That's probably my favorite aspect of it, uh, in the modern era, like say the last five years or so, mm -hmm. um, you know, God, I mean, we had the 50th stuff and now did, you didn't get to see that, the fireworks show, did you? Yes, I was there on a fireworks night. Was, we did. We got to see them. Was that not the best thing you've ever seen in your life? They were, they were just incredible. And I can't wait to be at Carowinds this summer for their 50th and see it there. Um, I'm going to follow these 50th anniversaries all yeah, around. To the 50th them. tour. Because you got a lot coming up in the chain yes. right now. Exactly. We're getting ready to really hit that celebration point of how many years these fabulous new parks yeah. have been in our lives. Such a, like the early 70s up till like the mid to late a lot of parks open you know and they're all turning 50 right now <laughs> right it was quite a boom awesome well uh elizabeth you know it's um obviously you know when when it comes to ace uh you know you the way to grow is to to have more people join if people want to find out more about ace what's the best resource for that so they can go to ridewithace.com backslash join and learn about the club. All the benefits are listed out there so they can exactly see what they're getting into and give us a try. Awesome. Cool. Well, hey, we really appreciate you being on the show. This has been fun. I've been looking forward to it since I met you at IAPA a couple months ago. So uh, ridewithace.com is the place to go. Uh, and then that's your social media handles for the most part, right? It is. You can find us with hashtag Ride with Ace and just about every social media platform where Ride with Ace. We have a few variations, but you'll awesome, find us. Awesome. Elizabeth, do you have any final words of wisdom before we go? Oh, y'all, just keep having fun. That's what this is about, right? Go out and have fun awesome. and ride Don, coaster. any final words of wisdom? Um, just great having you on the podcast, Elizabeth. Always good seeing you either at the park or IAPA. And, uh, you know, I'll let you know if I get down to King's Dominion. Absolutely. Let me know awesome. when you're in town. Yep. Right. Uh, so those of you who don't know, King's Dominion and Bush Gardens are about an hour apart. So if you're looking for somewhere to go with two excellent parks, I'm just saying Richmond, Virginia could use a little bit of love. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Again, uh, thanks to our, uh, hopefully we got some new friends that made it to the end from the American Coaster Enthusiasts that'll give us a subscribe on YouTube and follow us on their favorite uh, podcast apps. Uh, also on Twitter at attractions underscore GRP is a good place to find us. We tweet out a lot of fun stuff there, but Elizabeth, thanks again. That's ridewithace.com. Uh, looking for all, on the, all the social platforms, it's ride with ace. So thanks again, everybody. We'll see you next week.